0: Hey everybody, Brad here, just wanted to let you know that this episode has been slightly edited since it originally aired. So just in case it sounds like something jumps ahead or cuts off, I just wanted to let you know ahead of time. I always take a lot of pride in editing and releasing these episodes, but every now and then something has to be edited out after the fact. Anyway, I think there is still a lot here to enjoy, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Everyone...
1: This was all John Hammond's dream. Ah! Hold on to your butt. (laughs) Seriously? Well, we're back.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 188th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. Alright everybody, uh, let's uh, start this episode off by saying happy birthday to our contributor Tom Fishenden, who who turned 20 over the weekend. Happy birthday dude, you're, you're so young. You know, and then we also uh, want to wish a happy birthday to J. Jurassic's cat, Cheetos. What's going on cat? That's awesome. Happy birthday. I don't know who's older, Cheetos or Tom. We're going to have to go to the tapes for that one, I don't know. But... In this episode, we have some great stuff for you guys. It's going to be a blast, as always. And we're going to start it off inside the toy room. That's a name that I'm workshopping. I'm not too sure if I like it just yet. But uh, the information is all about the newest releases from Mattel, which are the Allosaurus and the Nasutoceratops. Two dinosaurs that could mean a whole lot for the upcoming future of the Jurassic franchise. We're going to take a look at both of those here today. After that, we're going to dive into the Innovation Center to hear from Tom Fishenden. Happy birthday again. And his guest, Arjun Boss, as they discuss Fallen Kingdom and what it means for the future of the franchise. What happened? Where do they go from here? Stay tuned to hear the debate and the issues going on inside the Innovation Center today. It's going to be a great one, so don't miss it. All right, so before we get this thing going, we have some business to take care of, as always. Um, first off, I actually want to recommend something for you guys to check out. So I want you guys to stay tuned to Victoria's Cantina. Uh, so so check out her... Um, her Twitter page Vix Cantina and also Collect Jurassic. So if you guys had listened to the Cantina Chatter podcast, the two of them were on there with their with a segment all about uh, different T-Rexes and which ones are the best and all that. And they actually had some some really cool news at the end of that that they're going to be starting a brand new podcast. So, if you did miss that announcement, it was uh, the show is Collect Jurassic World, which is a new podcast about all things Jurassic Park and Jurassic World with an emphasis on toys and collectibles. So, obviously, Victoria knows a ton about toys and collectibles, and Tim over at Collect Jurassic is, you know, just as knowledgeable as well. They're both really awesome people, and I love listening to them both talk about these um, amazing toys and, you know, stuff from the past, stuff from the future, what's coming, everything that's out there. So I think they're going to do an amazing job. And I am personally very excited to hear it. Um, So definitely keep an eye out on their social medias. You can also find them over on Instagram. So just keep an eye out for anything that they're going to be releasing about the new show. All right. So as for us, um, over on YouTube last week, we did a ton of stuff. My gosh. uh, There was really a lot out there. So last week we started off um, with our uh, third part in our series here on Jurassic World Live Tour. Um, if you guys remember, of course, we went out to the press day uh, for Jurassic World Live Tour, got to learn everything about the show, what's coming, and to talk with the individual sections that uh, handle the show, whether it's the costuming, the directors, and in the last week's episode on YouTube, we actually talked to the casting director um, who works with the Dino Tears, the people who are just acting in the show. Uh, that was Jessica Ferris, and she ran through the entire thing about the casting process. It was an amazing experience to hear her talk about it, to see her enthusiasm about the show. So make sure to check out Part 3. It is over on our YouTube. We actually also un- uh, un- unboxed and reviewed Primal Pal Blue which is uh, one of the latest Mattel offerings that's uh, available right now. Primal Pal Blue is absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video or have seen the item itself, but actually I have one right here. And uh, let's just listen to it because it's awesome. Ooh, I don't know if that's too loud. But, man. I love this thing. It really, (laughs) it really replicates a baby blue to me. So this is like a very—it's a small figure. It's it's bigger than most of the um, three and three quarter inch scale figures, but. It's a small baby blue figure, and I love the thing. It's fun to handle, fun to play around with, and also you get the chomping and the, the roars and everything. It's so cool. Um, so we did a, a full unboxing and review of that item. I also did a follow-up to that with like uh, me playing outside with it. My, my kid Lincoln was there as well. Um, we also did a uh, merchandise haul or find uh, hunt, I guess you could say. Um, I went out and tried to find some Jurassic stuff. It's kind of tough these days to find new. New stuff outside of, um, you know, the toys and whatnot. But I did find some summer clothes and some party supplies that I have never seen before. So go check out that video on there as well. Also, we did another Jurassic World live tour video. One of those short um, clips. I think this one was about four minutes long. It was with Jessica Ferris, uh James Shea, and Ryan Callis. Uh They all work within the casting and the training and the creative development teams. So uh, we did the fun questions and stuff with them. And also, uh, I released a full video on two new items that I'm going to be talking about a little bit later. The Allosaurus and the Pseudoceratops. And something called Battle at Big Rock. So you guys might want to pay attention to that video. And also, of course, what I'm going to say in a few minutes. So make sure to listen to that uh, over on YouTube. So like I said, it was a big week last week. This week, who knows? Again, I think I'm going to stick with the who knows mentality as far as uh, moving forward. Because I never know what I'm going to put out there. It might be a, a store hunt It might be a review, it might be something that just popped up yesterday or today, who knows? So we'll find out more as the week goes on. But enough of all that, I've talked for long enough, I'm going to talk some more, so we'll stay tuned to hear me in in a little bit here. But let's get this episode kicked off by breaking out the Jurassic toys, sitting down on the ground, and battling with the biggest and baddest dinosaurs around. Something to survive. Will you? You from Kenner. Jurassic Park 3 Spino vs. T-Rex game. The fiercest fight ever. Batteries not included. Imagine this adventure. The dinosaurs are on a rampage, and only the JP team is tough enough to stop them. It's Jurassic Park, the game Oh. Excitement of the movie, but this time they're after you. But your matchbox mercedes these was. It's happening, but only at Jurassic Park. Batteries battery's not included for Indominus Rex. You can tell it's Mattel. It's Swell. All right, everybody. So you heard me talk about these in the intro. The Allosaurus and the Nesutoceratops. Like I mentioned, I did a video about them over on YouTube. So if you want to get the... Uh, visuals as well go check that out but i'm going to talk about them a little bit here today so the surprise first came when we were all um checking out the jp toys official jurassic park page over on youtube it's a great group of people over there talking about jurassic park toys and uh tyrant Tyrannus, uh one of the members over there posted a look from Walmart out in Las Vegas, uh, which was these two toys that were found out on the shelves. Of course, there is some some other good items out there as well. Um, A lot of the new, um, you know, uh, like the Baryonyx. It looks like there's the Concavenator down there. So there's a lot of new stuff there. But the main figures is the Allosaurus and the Pseudoceratops, which are two brand new items that uh, you'll want to hear about. If you're not a fan of the toys and you might be skipping over this, maybe you already skipped, I don't know. But there's some big stuff in this that you'll want to know about and you'll you'll for sure see very soon here in the future. So um, the Allosaurus and the Nisutoceratops have some very interesting paint jobs, I guess you could say here. They're both very blue. Um and they do have underlying um tan or, or or you know, yeah, I guess tan on the undersides. Um the the Allosaurus itself is a a slightly different sculpt than we've seen before. And I think it's a fairly interesting sculpt, even if the head is a little big. Now this is all um speculation and discussion based off of a few images that we've seen online. I have never seen these items in person myself, so I can't really review them exactly just yet, but I will, of course, when I get the chance. But um, So the, the first thing that really stands out is the coloring of these things. They're, they're wildly different than a lot of stuff we've seen. Like I said, the Allosaurus sculpt is a bit different. It's got spikes down the back. It's also a dual attack which we've never had before. It's got these slashing arms and the chomping motion. The Nasutoceratops, which is a dinosaur that we have never seen here in the franchise at all. Um, it's interesting. It's kind of like a Triceratops. Uh, it is, obviously, a Ceratopsian-type creature. So it it looks essentially like a very similar body type as the Triceratops that we've already had. It is, it is a bit different, but essentially the same thing the frill on it is is m- like much bigger and uh, a different shape and then the horns are kind of very bull-like so they're facing straight forward um, and it does have a giant beak on the front so this is a very cool looking dinosaur and like like I said it's it's got the blue body but this has red accents all over it um, I don't know how interesting this is to hear me describe these if you're not looking at them but that's a, a general gist of those Two figures there. Um, the, there's been, I think, mixed reviews as far as how they look. Um, some think that they're more in line with what um, Hasbro did with their offerings for Jurassic World. I do not agree with that whatsoever. Maybe the paint jobs are wild, but I don't think that they're anywhere near the quality or the, the paint jobs of what Hasbro did. So, just go back and look at what Hasbro did and then maybe re reevaluate what you just said because they are wildly different. Um, and then the, I think the most interesting thing about this is the packaging. So I, I've been kind of steering away from it at first, but the packaging is the essential thing that we need to discuss here. So the packaging is a bit different than what we've seen before. Um, it still has the Dino Rivals vibe to it and some of the uh, key art and stuff like that, but it has a new accent to it, a a blue or a purple along the bottom, and a badge in the bottom right corner that mentions, as seen, in Battle at Big Rock. Now, Battle at Big Rock, have you guys ever heard of that before, outside of this past weekend? Um, Battle at Big Rock Could be something very, very interesting that we'll see very soon. Now, if you're paying attention to the fandom and the community, you might have heard, um, you know, people talk about something coming later this summer. There is something coming later this summer, so keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. um, And Battle at Big Rock is, I think it's safe to say that thing. All right? You know, so if you know what I'm talking about, I know I'm being very vague here, but uh, we don't want to reveal anything that we're not supposed to, per se, even though these images exist and the toys are out there discussing Battle at Big Rock right on the packaging. It's a thing that it, it will exist, and these two dinosaurs are in it and play a big part. So they made toys for them, which is absolutely amazing that we're getting new toys based off something called Battle at Big Rock. Now, that title is new to me. I've never heard that title before. Um and it's it just makes me wonder what are we going to be seeing? What is Battle at Big Rock? Of course, let's let's analyze it for a second. Battle. Okay, we've got two dinosaurs and we've got the the um ongoing Dino Rivals series of of packaging. So, I'm thinking Dino Rivals, head-to-head combat, right? So is this like in the wild? Are we led to believe that something happens after Fallen Kingdom that these two dinosaurs come head-to-head and battle each other? I, I don't know. I mean, it would seem that way. There is a battle at Big Rock, whatever that is, <laughs> and they are in the Dino Rivals packaging, so I'm assuming that these things are going to be going head-to-head now, it's interesting that they do have very uh, similar color uh, going on. Now, whether this is the the exact coloring that we're going to see or not, who knows? I don't know. Um, Mattel has really, I think, nailed it out of the park as far as getting the accuracy on a lot of these things, pretty accurate, um, not everything. Of course, there are some that are wildly different and not very good, but I think overall everything has been pretty good. So these are two very wild um designs and and paint schemes so will we see them come to life in some sort of fashion i don't know but i am very interested to find out so back to battle at big rock um i i went ahead and did some some googling and found nothing <laughs> so there you go but i did look for battle or i did look for big rock to see what comes up for big rock um so there's a lot of stuff out in California and uh, I think like Seattle and Washington, um, just different places, whether it's a trail, a big rock trail. Um, there's, there's actually a lot of <laughs> breweries and um, alcoholic uh, ventures, I guess you could say, where there's, they're all called big rock something or other. So, hey, maybe these two dinosaurs face off at a winery or uh, a vineyard, or something that has a, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, a bar attached to it. Who knows? (laughs) I don't think that's plausible, but maybe that seems like it's prime for destruction, I guess. Um, There's also a Big Rock campground out in the Midwest somewhere, Um, so it could be a campground, maybe they'll face off in a camping place that i didn't know where to go with that sentence but uh that's possible there's i don't know there's not there's honestly not a ton of information as far as big rock it's not i couldn't find a specific place as far as i could see um but um i don't know i i am very interested i would assume it is tied to a specific place um if if it's a battle at big rock um what is this big rock your guess is as good as mine But, you know, as far as the the thing is concerned, it could be anything at this point. Who knows what we're going to see. You're all questioning this one, wondering, is it a a video game? Is it an animated thing? Is it live action? Is it a a game, like a a desktop, or I'm sorry, a tabletop game? Is it a a live show? Is it a touring exhibition? What is Battle at Big Rock? Who knows? Oh, is it a theme park attraction? Is it in the theme park somewhere around the world? I'm not telling you what it is, but it is a battle at Big Rock, obviously, with the Nesutoceratops and the Allosaurus, two very awesome-looking creatures. We're going to see the herbivore and the carnivore go head-to-head in some fashion. We'll find out soon. I am very excited to see what this is all about and to track down these items my Walmarts have been really letting me down recently, so I am going to be hitting them hard this week, hoping that we find something. So far, it seems like they're all on the West Coast to the, to the middle of the country. I haven't seen anything pop up on the East Coast just yet, but my fingers are crossed for myself and everybody else out there on the hunt. Good luck to everybody. I hope you guys are all very excited about this news. Stay tuned. We don't innovate, somebody else will. Due to technical difficulties, all our exhibits are now closed. You are acting like we are engaged in some kind of mad science. And Zara here
1: is going to take great care of you until I'm done working tonight, okay? Bigger.
2: Scarier? Um cooler, I believe is the word that you use in
0: your memo. Any incidents? Yeah, six kids in the lost and found, uh, twenty-eight down with heat stroke. All of this exists. Because of me. Just like taking a stroll through the woods 65 million years ago.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Innovation Centre here on the Jurassic Park podcast. So today I'm not going to be rambling on my own, lucky for you guys, you're actually going to get to listen to somebody else as well. So without any further ado, special guest would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hello, I'm Arian Bos. I guess you all know me as well, from Extinction level, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Wicked,
2: how are you doing man, are you doing okay?
1: Yeah, all is good here. Good, good. Turns turns just a bit cold, but...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that was an indirect reference to the tweet I put out earlier. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was. (laughs) I like that, I approve that, you know, (laughs) everything's connected, it's all good. Um, It is. Okay, so for all of you who are listening, the reason why we've kind of come together this evening for us—it's quite—I think it's late for you as well, isn't it?
1: It's uh, like, fifteen past ten. An hour later. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, I'd never realised it was only an hour difference. That's wicked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there we go, learning things all the time. But uh, essentially, I came up with a few ideas for questions I had around Fallen Kingdom, and I was trying to record some answers to them myself, but I thought it would be a lot more interesting to actually get someone else's opinions as well, and it would probably be a lot more fun for you guys to listen to two people kind of talking about these questions. So, yeah. Um, I know you wanted me to explain the first question a little bit more, which is Did any dinosaurs survive on Isla Nubla? So. Uh, this one you
1: don't have to uh, explain. Uh, you had.
2: The... Oh, is it literally question one? Question one, one yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they were listed okay, from I'm five with you. down to I'm one. I'm with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, so yeah. Um, do you think that any dinosaurs survived on Isla Nublar?
1: Well, considering the size of Nublar and considering the image that was posted on the DPG website, I don't think any dinosaurs would survive uh, on Nublar. Okay. So do you think that
2: the eruption of Saibo was probably expansive for the entire island then, as opposed to just the northern reaches of the island?
1: Yeah, there was something about uh, there was. Uh, I'm not sure if the art. Yeah, there was an article on the DPG website which also explained something about the water uh, turning poisonous or something. Not not familiar with the exact details, but I think it it affected the whole island, even if it didn't. Uh, if, even if it wasn't washed over by lava.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I imagine the ecosystem would change and obviously you know there'd be drastic differences lots of dust in the air yeah I tried to um when I was recording earlier before I realized that it, it wouldn't be that interesting for me to just talk on my own <laughs> um I've mentioned is it the pyro I can never get it right pyrolastic oh my god
1: pyroplastic <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think that's it. Um, but that flow, I imagine, probably went quite far across the island as well, spreading noxious fumes that would have killed things. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would guess the same thing.
2: I kind of feel like um, the fact that we have that very specific shot of the explorer melting away in the lava as well is deliberately showing us that it's the end of like Jurassic Park's legacy on Nublar, I suppose. Um yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's very visual filmmaking that, like, is meant to tell us that
1: as well. Yeah, I think they really wanted to move away from the island, so I don't think we'll return to Newbar. Yeah, cool. Maybe, maybe in an oversight in a new segment or something, but to really show us that it's gone and there's, of course, life will survive. But I don't think the dinosaurs survived there.
2: No rest in peace, Brachiosaurus. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> Brad, when you eventually get round to listening to this, I'm not sorry, I just made you think of that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, my next question, and um, actually I should say this, entire kind of five-question segment was inspired quite heavily by the conversation that we've been having alongside Jurassic Collectibles, Chris Pew, and a few other people on Twitter, um, which kind of stems around this question and this idea of, who is Maisie's mum, and will we learn more about her backstory in Jurassic World 3? So for anyone who didn't see the tweet I put up, I, I was really proud of it. It was like my late night thought, and I was like, yeah, woo, it's a winner. Um, I essentially kind of theorised that maybe she had been forced into an accident by somebody like Lewis Dodgson to potentially damage the relationship that Lockwood and Hammond had to prevent them making any progress over their um, competition. So obviously that's just one idea of what their backstory could have been. But I'm kind of interested. Do you think we'll see any more of Maisie's mum or do you think it's kind of like a throwaway detail in Fallen Kingdom?
1: No, I don't think uh, it's a throwaway detail. I think it's uh, the suspense is more around the fact that uh, she didn't have kids, uh, the Lockwood's daughter didn't have kids. Yeah. And um, Yeah. I, I don't think it will be, have much importance for Jurassic World 3. I, I yeah. do know, of course, anything's possible. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's what I'm thinking.
2: Do you kind of feel like, I suppose in some ways you could say that side of the story did die with Lockwood. Cause I, yeah, I kind of feel like in order to explore his daughter more, you need somebody with more of an emotional connection. Yeah. And while Maisie is literally his daughter in one sense of the word, um, I just feel like obviously she doesn't have an emotional connection with the original, so it would make it a lot harder to yeah. explore that story in a way that feels organic.
1: Well, maybe that's why um, Iris survived Fallen Kingdom, because, of course, she will have yeah. an emotional connection to her. Uh, as well as Maisie, uh, of course. The, there's always the interesting question: Was her name Maisie as well, or did she have a very different name? We don't know that, so that's that's always
2: interesting. Yeah, that is true. I remember um, when it <laughs> when The Fallen Kingdom first came out, a lot of people just instantly assumed it was Lex, <laughs> and I was like, "What, really?"
1: <laughs> uh, I, I I guess you can assume that if you haven't seen the movie, but afterward, I don't think that's that's possible.
2: No, it's not. I mean, no, no, like, no. <laughs> no, literally no way whatsoever. Um, I do find it interesting that you mentioned Iris as well, because obviously quite topical yep. at the time we're recording <laughs> this. Um, we've Yeah, we've literally just had the news that she was originally going to be killed in Fallen Kingdom, yep. and we've seen one of the stills from the sequence. So do you kind of think that maybe her getting left alive, like you said, is to potentially allow a little bit more exploration of this story.
1: Yeah, maybe. Could very well be.
2: I think that um, in Colin's tweet as well, he was deliberately very cryptic because I think if she wasn't coming back in Jurassic World 3, you would just outright say that because there's no reason to like not say that. But he said, yeah. you know, he can't say it, which suggests to me it's a yes. So I think that perhaps Iris does definitely have more of a role to play in the overall story or maybe yeah, it just
1: suggests to me that, that they were think of that they are thinking that maybe she could play a role but not sure how to fill it in yet. So yeah which would be interesting for the actress as well. Yeah, I
2: think that would be interesting. I think Iris can definitely be used as a vessel to explore a lot of the ethics because obviously she knew the original child. Yeah. And now knowing the clone, she's arguably the person with the most insight into that, and kind of the differences, the similarities, whether she feels it's ethically right and wrong, having spent so much time with Lockwood's original daughter. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: So I think, yeah, she could definitely come back as a vessel to kind of explore those ethical issues, and I think that ultimately a lot of the questions that we're going to be discussing for the other three points, um, during this thing, do really kind of relate to, um ethics to some extent once you really get into them because i feel like what we've been set up for for jurassic world 3 is really going to be a big ethical debate about um our relationship with science more than anything i would say
1: yeah i think the the, of course it would be uh, more related to the dinosaurs in at at first but um i think on the background we will have the the weight of macy's feelings on that as well i guess yeah, so, I think, I, but I, I hope that they keep her part, her her secret a secret for the rest of the world. So, but and the best thing would be if Maisie wants to tell her secret, but she couldn't because of the way a, a large minority responds to human cloning, for instance. Yeah, so that it's better to 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 keep it silent, to keep it quiet.
2: I could almost. <laughs> it sounds bad. But I could see it being done like the Tony Stark scene at the end of Iron Man, where um, like after <laughs> all this, <laughs> yeah, like after all this chaos and everything has ensued and it's been corrected, you kind of have yeah, you almost like step have her step out of the shadows to show that something good did come of all of I this. I am a clone. At least. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I didn't think this idea through fully. I just spoke before it developed and I realised the nature of that speech. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think Macy's almost um, in some ways a platform for showing us how, even though Henry Wu has done a lot of bad with his science, he has also done a lot of good. And I think that... um, Henry Wu in particular is one of the characters who I really, really hope that Emily and Colin write well in Jurassic World 3 because I think he can be a really, really conflicted character and it could be really interesting to see that.
1: Yeah, definitely, I agree. And I really hope he doesn't die. Oh,
2: so do I. I actually, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I feel like... I know we talk a lot about earned death and characters not having earned death in the films, and I feel like Henry has definitely earned his death, but at this point it would just be far too predictable. And I think that actually keeping him alive poses some incredibly interesting uh questions for where the story goes after Jurassic World 3. So if we end with mm-hmm. Jurassic World 3 for now, which I hope we do, I hope we don't get inundated with films, then um I think Henry being alive would at least leave a little bit of the "what if" kind of question there, which would be quite nice.
1: Yeah, maybe. I've I've also seen the debate on uh, earning deaths and whatnot. I don't. I uh, to be fair, I really don't think anyone earns death. No. So that's uh, that's always a bit um, dark for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I prefer, and what I, another part is that if everyone dies that has a responsibility then who is eventually to blame uh, to, for all the havoc and all the problems someone needs to step up and take responsibility yeah that is very and true. i think Wu would be a very good one to step forward and say okay i, I have a re- i'm responsible for a lot of this mess so i'll uh, i'll accept the consequences and i'll uh, he has to serve jail time or something yeah um yeah, that, that's the way I uh, I would like to see it turn out. But yeah, <laughs>
2: I do wonder if we yeah, were I... meant to have more woo, because I feel like I've seen a photograph um of like a deleted scene of him in the garden with Mills having a discussion. So I do I feel like we were definitely meant to get more insight into what he's thinking than we actually did in the final cut.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen that photo, but yeah, it does make sense that he his part was um. Cut for a large part because he had such a small part. He did. It was quite
2: surprising, to be honest.
1: Yeah, he had much much better uh, lines in Jurassic World than he had in Fallen Kingdom.
2: Yeah, I agree. His speech with Masrani in Jurassic World was incredible. That, That I think, really... really, like, it just opens up fundamentally the kind of characteristics of him and how he doesn't see what he's doing is wrong because he's just meeting the requirements for developing science further. And I think yeah. that um that's something which Tess Sharp actually explored really well in Jurassic World Evolution of Claire. So I yeah. I really hope we do see more of that for Wu. I feel yeah. like I do feel like he is quite an underutilised character, to be honest. I think he has a lot of potential. Definitely. So I feel like, yeah, so <laughs> we went into a bit of a tangent about Henry Wu there, but I feel like it's all quite relevant because, obviously, at the end of the day, when we're talking about Maisie and Maisie's mum, it's all to do with the science behind these things. Yeah. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that, obviously, Henry Wu would be responsible for that. Um, and on the subject of Wu and people he's worked with, another question that's popped into my head recently is was Hoskins really working for Mills or was it someone else entirely? And um, the reason I ask this is obviously during Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, a lot of people began to make the assumption that the phone call that Hoskins makes in Jurassic World was to Mills or somebody else. Um, But we never see it referenced at all in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And I kind of feel like there was ample opportunity to have a reference there if it was to Mills like um, the helicopter crew Mm -hmm. at the start of the film for example they could have said oh Hoskins got us this access code or you you know just something like that to at least clarify that there was that connection there so I'm wondering if they left that deliberately vague because it it kind of feels to me like it's meant to be obvious that it is connected but they've deliberately not said it is if that makes sense
1: maybe (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> I feel like I put a lot of words into a sentence there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if they left it off deliberately uh, to have it make sense uh, <laughs> in the obvious way. But yeah, in in one way, of course, you you have the the part in Jurassic World where you leave Wu off with uh, you. You you'll be well taken care of, and then you see him in the dungeons next. Um, for, from for working for mills so uh, if you follow that line it's it would be obvious to assume that Hoskins did work for mills yeah uh, but uh, there's also the um, uh, the part where I think it wasn't in the movie but uh, Trevoro mentioned that um Wu was on the news, and I think it's in the junior novelization as well that uh, Wu was in the news, and he he doesn't comment to questions, and he's being questioned uh, by uh, by court, and he was stripped of his titles, and uh, the part that he was stripped of his titles that did make it into the movie, which was why yeah. they called him Mister Wu, and not Doctor Wu, I think something like that. Yeah, when they
2: announced it, that he the movies, made the Indoraptor, in yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, in that way, I think that Mills and it's such a completely different setup as well because um, they, of course, they are making the Indoraptor for the army, which was the the goal for Hoskins as well. Yeah, but it feels like it's it they are they're on a very different path. Yeah, but,
2: see that's the kind of vibe I get. It just feels like I I don't know Hoskins it was clear that he was doing it for an end goal that would make profit, but he felt a lot more, I guess the best way to describe it is regimented in how he was doing things. He was very clear sighted in what he wanted the end game to be. And he was very clear in like, waiting for the opportunity to happen because the fact that when he makes that call he says um oh we might have an opportunity here suggests that he's almost been looking for that ever since he started working for the company which we know was a while so um it almost feels disjointed to then see mills who is rushing through things purely for money and i think um One thing that really highlights how desperate Mills is to just, you know, like make this as quick as possible is his conversation with Wheatley. When Wheatley's in the truck um, with Blue, you just see this Mills who is very, very, I don't know, focused on getting the animals back quickly and just making money as quickly as possible. And it seems very different to the kind of ideas, like you were saying, you get from Hoskins in Jurassic World.
1: Yeah, Hoskins seemed really to be after improving the military and Mills was just after making money. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it feels more like uh, Wu and Lockwood have had a history and perhaps Wu indeed was after uh, was the, the guy behind the cloning of Macy. So that's maybe how they knew and how he knew Lockwood or maybe even from before. Yeah, uh, Because, of course, they were partners, so they knew each other. Um, yeah, Wu was working for Ingen a long time, and uh, I guess Lockwood was too. So they they knew each other from way back. So it feels to me almost like Wu was in the spotlights, and he wanted to get out of there. So he he turns to Lockwood for 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 his sanctuary, maybe. Yeah. To get a, to, to get a, for, to get away from all the news media attention and uh, all the negativity. And maybe he then told the story what he was doing for Hoskins to Mills, and he Mills saw money, and he said, "Okay, you, you come come up come in and do what you wanted to do. You can keep uh, can keep keep continuing your research and do it here."
2: I like that idea because it, it yeah, like it relates to the real world. You see people poaching talent all the time, so it would yeah. make sense within. The context of Jurassic,
1: and I yeah, think and then of course you you get to the point where Wu says okay, but I don't have the, don't have any of my resources anymore. I need the Indominus uh, DNA, and I need this, and I need that, and then they send the crew to Isla Nublar to get the Indominus uh, DNA. Yeah, uh, that to me that kind that story kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah, I like that idea. Was it you on Twitter who said you think that? Um... Maybe yeah, the first group didn't look after Wu like he was promised, and that's why he ended up going to Mills and Lockwood instead.
1: Yeah, I know. I did tweet that. Yeah, anyone else tweeted that (laughs) as well.
2: Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense, and I think it kind of helps to tie it together a little bit more because I just feel like. yeah, like, why would you not make reference to Hoskins? You know, yes, he's yeah. dead and it's in the past, but it would just make sense logically to give that to the audience. And, and I feel
1: and it- as well if uh, you can assume that Wu knows Lockwood, and why yeah. why would he do why would he do this task for Lockwood if he knew him? Why would he do it through Lock, through Hoskins? Yeah, so there's that, there's that as well.
2: But then you, you, yeah, I kind of feel like the situation adds a lot more to Henry's desperation as well, because if he went back to working for Hammond after doing this for Lockwood, if he did, then surely he must have felt that there was some degree of what he did was wrong to then choose to go back to working for Hammond over Lockwood.
1: At which time, because at the time Maisie was born, Hammond had already died.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, these timelines are confusing. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so then he must have done it while he was working for Masrani, which makes yeah. a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah because he
1: had, he had a history with Lockwood and not with Masrani. Yeah. So, so if Lockwood comes to him asking for this favour, maybe you know who knows how long... Lockwood had been trying to create Maisie, but never knew how to get the DNA. And then he asked who after Hammond died, and they got started. That makes a lot
2: more sense as well, because Lockwood, well, not Lockwood, Hammond was like really the only obstacle, I feel, in terms of telling them that it was ethically wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Cool. So, yeah, I think, yeah. It is, it's kind of something where... I think we're not going to get an answer on it now. Like, I think if they were all working together, it would have been addressed in Fallen Kingdom. And the fact that it wasn't... I d- like, I don't think we ever will know for definite now, because I don't see the story moving backwards to address that. I feel like it would be far too invasive on what's going on now and pushing forwards towards the future. So I think it's unfortunate. I will never know for sure. Um, and I kind of wish, like, literally if we had just had a shot at the very beginning of the film of the helicopter from the end of Jurassic World dropping Wu off at the manor yeah. and like Lockwood stepping out and saying it's good to see you again Henry that would have sufficed yeah, that, that would, that have, would been really have connected the two yeah but um i i do feel like it really boils down to what Jurassic Collectibles were saying which is the idea that um Unfortunately, these films do seem to be kept somewhat separate in terms of their connective tissue yeah. to avoid alienating new audiences. And while I think that's fair to do to some extent, I think there are definitely areas where there could have been more connective tissue.
1: Yeah, this really is a trilogy, so they really should connect.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's marketed as it? so You expect people to see all three. Yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah. Um,
2: okay yeah cool i'm really happy with that i wasn't expecting us to get so deep into that one but it's the one i think <laughs> i find the most interesting so that was cool um yeah so the next question and i kind of have my own answer to this is <laughs> does the dinosaur sanctuary we see in fallen kingdom with lockwood really exist um so i'm interested nice to hear one. what you think first
1: I've... At first, I did think it did exist, but when I started to think about it more, I got more to the conclusion that it's a hoax that Mills keeps up for Lockwood, and the money that he spent uh, telling Lockwood it's for the sanctuary is actually going into the the crew that's getting all the, uh, the all the dinosaurs of the island. I'm not really sure. I'm not this part. I didn't think through because, of course, Lockwood wanted the, dino, wanted the dinosaurs from the of the island as well. Yeah, but. It. I think it went other places. I don't think he spent the money on creating that sanctuary. See,
2: I kind of get the feeling from Lockwood's character that even though he's wheelchair-bound, he would have wanted to see the sanctuary. So I yeah. almost get the feeling that with the way his character is presented this sanctuary does exist because Mills would have had to buy it as a way to, like, earn his trust almost, so to, like, continue his legacy. So I could very easily see this island existing, and that kind of ties into what I've seen a few people speculating the end of the franchise could be, which is all of this death and destruction happening in Jurassic World 3, which is inevitable but with, I've just, I've been sat here playing with a piece of Lego and I've just sent it <laughs> flying across my room and I have no idea where that's gone um, <laughs> this is professional podcasting just getting distracted by Lego, let me put this down, so um, yeah I kind of feel like Jurassic World Free could end with the dinosaurs getting put back onto an island now I know that sounds really ridiculous when we've just come off of the island, but if this is the final trilogy we're going to get at, then it kind of makes sense for it to go full circle and end
1: how Jurassic Park ended with the dinosaurs free to roam the island To be honest, I did think the same thing uh, the moment I started to think about a sequel for the Fallen Kingdom, so where Jurassic World 3 would go and where it would end and uh, I hoped in in that case that it would end uh, on a sad note that um, like in, in the lost worlds, the book by Michael Crichton, that eventually the animals will all die, but but that they can live out their lives in peace on that Island. Yeah. So, that
2: would be quite nice to see.
1: So that's, that's a little bit finalizing uh, and indeed in full circle. You know, they're all going to die, but they'll die peacefully.
2: I can imagine. Yeah. Like a monologue from Claire, saying, although we know the animals will eventually die, we've at least been able to put there somewhere where they can enjoy the rest of their lives. And then I can literally picture the last sequence being the exact same sequence as we get with Blue at the end of Fallen Kingdom, but her now looking over this new island that's filled with dinosaurs. I think that would be the perfect way to end Jurassic World. As a franchise, yeah, I would. Honestly. I would switch
1: the switch blue for the Tyrannosaurus. But, but yeah, basically, but she might basically be dead at this point. Yeah, I, I had the same idea about blue. I'm not making plans yeah. right now.
2: <laughs> it's all good. No, literally, we've got half people who are like, "Oh my god, somebody wants the T-Rex dead," and then everyone else is like, oh, they want blue dead." Yeah. It's all right. No, it's not that we want. You watch. Next week I won't be celebrating a thousand followers anymore. Yeah. You got a lot more than I. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: it's all good. It's it's expensive. I have to do giveaways because <laughs> I don't recommend it. Uh, I'm just showing myself up completely on this podcast. Great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I yeah I like the idea that we both have the same idea for how we feel like this trilogy should end and I'm interested do you feel like this should be the last trilogy for a while as well
1: I don't know uh, in a way yes but, but I think um, it. what I think for Jurassic they should step off the um, the, the timeline uh, like we are now that every time a movie comes out it plays at the same time that it comes out so that means that when you have a three-year gap between the movies that they're Three years has, have passed from one movie to the next, so a lot of change, a lot yeah. has changed. And what we can do in the future is um, perhaps make s- separate movie spin-offs or um, other movies uh, that, that follow each other, but um, stay in the same time. For for example,
2: yeah, that makes sense. It does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it does because I feel like if it stays in the same time frame, then you can kind of tell linear stories across multiple films, yeah, which yeah, don't have a knock-on effect on the other films.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
2: but I, I kind of feel like they need to be careful in terms of the fact that I don't really want them to do what Star Wars has done, where they've had, like, an explosion of new content and they've now had to pump the brakes on it because everyone's just had enough and it's got oversaturated. Yeah. Um, I, I want the stories, we get, to be meaningful. Yeah. And I feel like, to some extent, the kind of things I want are, like, a movie version of the evolution of Claire because it does a really good like way of providing us with extra context and extra insight into characters we see on screen um or maybe even like I I don't know why but I really like the idea series of a tv show set during like Jurassic Park in the weeks before the 1993 incident now i know that obviously that would be really difficult to do because we don't have richard attenborough anymore we don't have bob peck Mm -hmm. um but i feel like if they were clever with how they did it it could really work even if it was an animated show and i think that then you have the potential to tie into other areas as well like one episode could be them preparing for lockwood and his daughter to visit for example which um it just provides more storytelling potential I feel
0: yeah
1: yeah that could be nice to fill in the gaps that have been created with all these movies that we have now I'm kind of I think Jack
2: Ewins has got me really hopeful because I've (laughs) just been um reading up on his oh my god dino defenders extreme there we go i forgot the name for a second (laughs) and i I really like what he's doing with the show so it just makes me hopeful for a jurassic park show yeah Because I think there is so much untapped potential there. And I think a cartoon dinosaur show would really work. Like, it was recently revealed that Primeval actually had a cartoon show in development before it got cancelled. So clearly there is some kind of demographic there where cartoon dinosaur shows will resonate with audiences. And I think that alone should give Universal the faith to actually go out and do this. But it did get cancelled. Why? Why? It did, but this was at the time where ITV pulled all of Primeval's budget.
1: Oh, okay, yeah,
2: yeah. So I don't think it's to do with the actual nature of the show itself. Um, mm. And I just, I it's think too it bad makes sense. They, they cancel them. <laughs> it is, it is. Really, let, really let's like not, not turn this one. into Primeval. <laughs> <laughs> I will go off on a tangent, and we will not come back from it. I just have too many feelings for that show. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm turning into an emotional mess right now. This is not okay. Um, okay.
1: On to the next you, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. point.
2: Okay, so um, you wanted me to explain this. Yeah. So who won the dinosaurs and where will they be found next? So what I mean by this... Um, And actually before we go on to this I do just want to touch on one more thing which is the fact that we have a three-year gap which means where we see everything left at Fallen Kingdom is not going to be where it is in Jurassic World 3. So this kind of lends itself nicely to this question because essentially I'm asking about who won the dinosaurs in the auction and you've got to think if there was somebody like Biosyn at this auction, for example, mm-hmm. they have now had three years since we've last seen them to potentially reverse engineer the technology used to make dinosaurs. So with that kind of a set emotion, I think, what do you kind of think we'll see in terms of different groups coming to play in Jurassic world three?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I've seen a lot of speculation about it as well. Personally, I feel that three years for that is not a lot of time. So yeah. that means that uh, to first reverse engineer the DNA and you just have one or two, maybe three species to clone and reverse engineer and start again and finding all the tech. Uh, maybe you can buy some technology from uh, Maserani if they're selling things off to, to pay, pay their debts. You don't, I don't know could be, but um, then still you have maybe dinosaurs of two years at most. If you're very lucky, you have a few dinosaurs of two years old. So they're not not fully grown. They're still young. Mm, I don't see too much interesting prospect there. So,
2: yeah. Okay. But equally, do you feel as though, say for example, our Russian bidder... Mm -hmm who we know had got a couple of carnivores. Do you think within that two year, two year, three year, here we go. You can tell, get numbers confused. It's going well. (laughs) Um, So within that three year timeframe, do you think that those creatures could have broken out? Could they now be out on the rampage in places? Because really what I kind of see for Jurassic World 3 is this globe trotting adventure of our characters desperately trying to recontain these dinosaurs as they break
1: out all across the globe um so i th- i think i think so i think there would be there would be hunters because of course if you have dinosaurs on the move in in the USA f- to start with that that's for certain of course you can have them in Russia as well and you can have them everywhere in the world uh, but there will there would be isolated incidents and i think most dinosaurs are easily taken out by a gun or some weapons. See, that's the but, thing. But-
2: like, at the end of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, we're made to think that this is some great threat. But, like you say, these creatures are actually relatively easy to kill. They're not like the Indominus, which has got bulletproof skin. So, surely there has to be something else some underlying plot point or something that is going to yeah. come to light in Jurassic World 3 that's going to play the
1: main threat because at the moment we don't have enough. Yeah, I would think the the, dino, the dinosaur protection group would, would rise and more people would stand up for for the safety of these animals uh, weird as it may sound but I think, think I think people really would you would have a lot of people on one side and a lot of people on the other side Especially the people from California would be on the uh, yeah on the extinction outside, and people not from California uh, who are further away from these animals are in a very different position. So they would say, "Yeah, I think it's
2: a shame in some ways that universal aren't." getting the team to continue those accounts in this gap because I feel like during this gap there's a lot of potential for the DPG so and much. extinction now to be having very meaningful conversations
1: yeah so much would be happening right now Oh, well, I think uh, you you posted um, uh, some something about the San Diego incident the, the T-Rex at the San Diego Zoo and yeah, I was more. It can kind can, of cannot be San Diego, San Diego, because it's too far away from North, Northern California, so it's too soon. Um But it turned out to be the San Diego Zoo after all. <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah, all, all right. the parts, um, all the parts at the end of Fallen Kingdom were not immediately after the breakout. There is some time in between there already. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure. How so we it's need to
2: interesting because we could even be seeing like a year in the future within those sequences. Yeah.
1: There's no way of knowing for sure. No, it could be, it could very well be that the T-Rex bursting through San Diego, the, the San Diego Zoo, is a year after, or um, because it would take some time for the T-Rex to move down from Northern California to San Diego. I I would presume.
2: Yeah, and it kind of makes you question what's happened in between. Yeah. How is it not dead yet? Because surely either something would be able to track it or somebody's been covering up for it. And, oh, oh, can you imagine if Wu has been trying to get his team or what's left to cover the tracks of his dinosaurs because he doesn't want to see them killed and he thinks he should, like they should be allowed to be out in the wild. Oh, wow. That's an interesting idea. It's just popped into my head.
1: <laughs> I don't see how we would have the, the resources for that, but maybe.
2: Neither do I, but then again, who else is going to inherit what's left of the Lockwood estate and Mills' people? There is literally nobody else.
1: Only Maisie.
2: Yeah, and she's not exactly going to be interested in the mercenaries who helped nearly kill her, is she? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do think... um But the mercenaries something...
1: aren't staying. I don't think they they would stay for Wu because they, they want to get paid and Wu is not going to yeah, pay no, them. Yeah, no,
2: that is true. That is very
1: true. Yeah, very, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they might be interesting I in did... just going on a hunt, just like uh, Roland Tembo. They just wanted to kill the dinosaurs.
2: <laughs> oh, can you imagine
1: if we saw him come back? Cause he is that. Oh, he is still alive. Oh, wow. Roland Tembo is, but uh, the actor isn't. Sadly,
2: uh... that would have been an amazing cameo.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it I would make like son. Well. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Roland Tembo's son, and some backstory on how Roland Tembo oh. died.
2: Can but. you imagine that? Like his son, um, being yeah, like Owen and Claire going to save something, and then they get there and find out that oh, this brash hunter called like something Tembo has already been trying to track it down and has injured it or something. It would be really cool. Yeah. And, oh, they could even, like, play into that. So the whole time they're just saying, oh, this guy called Tembo, thinking that it's Roland. And then the big reveal is it's actually his son instead when we meet him. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I'd like that. <laughs>
1: Very young Tembo. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but um, what I was going to say is I think it's a shame that Colin has already confirmed and the end of Fallen Kingdom with the Indoraptor DNA getting crushed. um, Well, Indominus DNA, but same thing (laughs) technically, you know. Um, (laughs) I kind of feel like it's unfortunate that that confirms that hybrids are done for, because I think the most interesting thing that could happen right now is seeing all this... um, like failed dinosaurs and abominations that are created as people try to reverse engineer the technology. I think that would be a really good way of showing um, just how advanced this technology is and how much we shouldn't really be
1: messing with it. Yeah, I would definitely make a point, but I I guess it's not the point that they, they want to make in the last movie.
2: Yeah, no, that is true.
1: I'm really, I'm so curious what they come up with, what they, what they want to tell us.
2: (laughs) I, yeah, me too, because honestly, it feels like we're like at a massive open precipice Yeah. with the end in The Fallen Kingdom, and it could genuinely go anywhere. Yeah. So I'm excited because I think, yeah, like you're saying, casting calls um, from Emily's tweets, you can kind of get the idea that they finished their first draft a couple of weeks back, Yeah. which is exciting because it means they must, you know, be getting it all finalized yeah. which is really really good to think about Definitely. um and yeah next year production begins
1: yeah it cannot be soon enough for me
2: <laughs> <laughs> no no i agree i am um, yeah i'm excited to try and do the film sets this year cuz i went up to um pinewood pie stock and a bunch of the other british locations with my good friend raptor chaser and it was really cool seeing all the stuff there. So I t- just one weekend while they're shooting to go up there and like, even to not see anything, but to just be able to say I was there while they were filming some of it would be incredible, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had the same things with yeah. um, shootings at in Holland, in the Netherlands. When, when, um, yeah. when I was in school, there was a movie shot there, Mindhunters. And I saw all kinds of weird things, Going on there, and I didn't know what was happened, and then all was gone. And then later, I found out that they were shooting that movie there with Val Kilmer and LL Cool J, and all those guys were were at my school. Oh wow! <laughs> and I didn't know. If I had known, then I would have. I would have stand. I would stood at the at the gate and watch them film. <laughs> but they kept it rather secret.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. um Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that they're coming back to the UK again next year, because I wonder if that means that we'll see, like, maybe we'll start Jurassic World 3 on Lockwood Estate again, seeing it, like, three years later. That could be interesting. Um,
1: Yeah, it makes sense to to go back there. uh,
2: It does, it does. And I think... (laughs) I do think a part of this film will be finding the dinosaurs, but I think... um, oh oh my god this is what happens when i podcast i keep having ideas as i'm thinking about it um because how interesting would it be if they set up technology that lets them track the tracking implants that we know the dinosaurs mm-hmm. have but suddenly yeah. they start stumbling upon creatures that don't have trackers in which again shows that somebody else has been doing something with this science or maybe say for example um somebody has got embryos that like, like you could even say somebody's got dinosaurs that get to like three years old and they die because of some unknown illness and investigating the DNA of a living dinosaur has helped them to conquer that. And now, you know, these dinosaurs have been able to grow up fully in the period we've not seen them. I think, um, that would be a very interesting way of introducing the idea. And I do think, ultimately, even if it doesn't make sense for that science to happen within a three-year window,
1: I think that is what we're going to see with the third film. Could be. What if... Um, I'm not sure if this is a plausible idea, but what if Mills was poss- was, was able to get dinosaurs off the island while they were still uh, having... I, I guess they would have, be having cameras around the island because of the yeah. exploding volcano. So, what if Mills wasn't the first to get dinosaurs off?
2: I like that idea.
1: Yeah, could very well be that other other people were also on the island, especially if you have the the podcast idea that uh, they had for what's it called? Oh,
2: the Alexa mm-hmm. experience. Yeah, Alexa,
1: yeah, that one. I haven't been able to listen to it fully because I couldn't uh, do the couldn't, couldn't buy the other episodes. I don't have uh, Alexa. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> tried 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 it on my phone and I couldn't buy anything, so that, that's I got stuck after the first one. But more people were apparently on the island. That that's plausible. That's that seems a plausible idea. So why couldn't more people get dinosaurs off the island?
2: It does. I like this idea. And to be fair. They say it's restricted space, um, but we never actually see any military presence across the films, apart from Jurassic Park 3, when the military are there rescuing them. And from the novels, you actually get the feeling that the Costa Rican government are distinctly disinterested in the islands and don't want much to do with them. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was relatively easy for somebody to get there. Yeah oh I like this I kind of yeah I feel like we should leave this here and put that out as a question um to anyone who's listening into this episode if you tweet at Jurassic Park pod um let us know do you guys think anyone else has been on Nublar apart from the rescue team slash the mercenary team we see in Fallen Kingdom um yeah do you feel like that's a good note to leave it on yeah sure (laughs) <laughs> Wicked. Well, thank you for joining me this evening. It has been very spontaneous and very fun. Yeah. Um, you're very welcome. And do you want to just let people know where they can find you again, even though I'm sure
1: they already know? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at BOS underscore ARJAN. That's my main account. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Perfect. And if you guys haven't, make sure you listen to Extinction Level Jurassic Park, the radio play. Um, which was produced here for Jurassic Park podcast, because it's fantastic. And I think that Arjun really put a lot of work into putting together a fantastic piece with that. And it has my voice in it. So, you know, go listen. (laughs) Um, Cool. Thank you. Right. We hope you've enjoyed this discussion, guys. And as always, have a great week.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the 188th episode of the Jurassic Park podcast. Of course, a big thanks goes out to Tom and Arjun for a great discussion on Fallen Kingdom and what may lie in the future. I think their ideas are great. There's always, I think, a great discussion as far as, uh, you know, months later and and figuring out what's happening with these movies, especially in the in-between. There's so much great... um, Ideas floating around, and we all have no idea. We we don't have any idea So this is the great time for crazy theories, wild theories, and of course grounded ones as well. But I I think it's fun to let the theories fly at this moment to figure out what's going to happen, what are we going to see, where will this continue, and of course base that off of what we've seen already. So thank you so much to Tom and Arjun for another great discussion here in the Innovation Center. But always, I need to thank you guys. You know, you are all the ones listening to the show, making sure that this is a thing that we do every week. You know, you guys are the reason that we produce these segments, produce these uh, full, very long episodes every week. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you for actually taking the time to do so. It it really um, makes it all worthwhile, I think. I know you could ask everybody that produces here on the show, how awesome it is to know that there is such a wide audience out there of awesome listeners, and that is due in part to the amazing reviews that you guys have all been leaving over on iTunes. So as, well, that was a voice crack, huh? Um, so <laughs> as we um, haven't two teams, um, man, I'm losing it. But uh, as we've been doing over the past many weeks so far, Uh, since the return we want to pay it forward to you guys for taking the time to leave amazing reviews five-star reviews over on itunes for us and if you guys want to you can leave a fun comment doesn't have to be serious it can be a real comment that's very appreciated as well of course but um you can do the five stars if you want that's all but i i would love it if you guys wrote something fun that i can read here on the show i'd really appreciate that so we're going to start it off here with a review from wow okay um h b d wait h wait what what ab yeah h <laughs> okay this is this is staying in h d b I can't read this far I got to get closer h d b d v d g d hey you know how I love reading here on the show and this is a a newer, actually one of the newest reviews here. It, it, the comment, the title is beautiful. And I know that that last uh, little transcript that I just read it was obviously very beautiful. Um, that, so the the body of this this review here says this is the best podcast ever. I can ride my bike for hours listening to this. You know what? You could. And I, I really do appreciate you saying that this is the best best podcast ever, even when I fumble around everything. So H-B-D... Nope, set them backwards again. H-D-B-D-V-D-G-D. Thank you so much. And also change the name. I, it's very hard to read. <laughs> the next one is from Orange, with no E. Uh... uh uh space nope that's not a space dash k r eight hey guys why why are the names so difficult this week? I really appreciate your reviews, but why what what are you trying to do to me huh? you guys know I'm bad at this reading thing so orange k r eight um says an asset to the jurassic community now this one goes into saying. I've listened to every episode, and this is an extremely well-done podcast with a lot of enthusiasm and care for the Jurassic franchise. My only complaint, if I had to make one, is some of the contributors' recording equipment are lower quality and are hard to hear in a few episodes. But I can't complain about something I pay nothing for, and someone else has put in so much time and effort into putting... uh, uh, Wait, here we go. Effort is put into each podcast every week. (laughs) I would easily recommend this to anybody of any age and Jurassic fan or not. So Orange KR8, thank you. And I appreciate the feedback. This is, a, I believe, a five-star review, and it's very welcome to have some sort of feedback on what uh, you guys are hearing, because I know what I hear when I'm producing the episodes. Maybe you guys are listening on very different devices than I'm ever testing them on, um, and maybe they don't come out as well as I'd hoped. That's that's perfectly uh, acceptable. Well, not acceptable, but uh, that's perfectly honest and, and appreciated, because... That does happen, you know. It does happen. Not everybody has the same recording equipment. Um, not everybody has, um, you know, the mics that I have or others have or or what may what it may be. So I um, I do appreciate it. I do try to take my time to to adjust the audio levels to make sure that everything is um, equalized as best as possible. It doesn't always come out that way. Sometimes it is difficult, and that also depends on uh, the circumstances surrounding each recording because everyone is different. Um, And even if they do all have good quality equipment, like I've had, I have good quality equipment and I've had very badly recorded episodes. So it just, it happens. So I can't fault anybody on this show or, or anybody out there that's really trying to put out the effort. Um, And I, I don't think you do either. You know, it's just, it's like one of you, like you said, it's one of those things that's like, if I had to point up out something. It would be that. And uh, we try to present the best possible episodes for you guys. We work on them very hard. I know you guys know that and appreciate that. So again, I, I very much appreciate you taking the time to say that, and we're going to keep making it as best as we possibly can for you guys. So you guys have a, a pleasurable audio experience for you each and every week. So thank you guys, both to you. I know I'm very uh, comical, I guess, when it comes to reading these things, but I just want you to know I very much appreciate each and every word that you wrote there today um, to both of those reviews. I'm not going to say the names again. I'm not doing it. But I did want to say to everybody listening to have a great week out there. Have a great Jurassic week, whether it's looking at these amazing new uh, Dino Rivals toys. I know so many of you are going to be out on the hunt this week and many more weeks after this. But uh, stay safe out there. Have a great time searching for these. Be kind to everybody out there. If you bump into somebody that is also a Jurassic fan, be nice. Start up a conversation. Have a great time. This community, I think, is one of the best communities as far as fan communities are concerned. You guys are all so special and so nice to each other. You all go out of your way to make it possible to, for everybody to have the best content, the best discussions, the best everything going on. And I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. So keep it going. Keep it uh, lively. Keep it fun. Keep it friendly. And uh, just be nice to everybody out there in the community and not even in the community, others out there. Just be nice to everybody, and I think it will be very much appreciated in the weeks moving forward. Thank you, guys. Let's roll the outro. Saddle off, let's get this movable feast underway. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Jurassic Park Pod and myself at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So please be sure to subscribe. Also, don't miss our toy hunts and reviews, in-depth bonus content, live streams, gameplay, events and theme park coverage, and so much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of every episode, so please be sure to spare no expense. Don't miss us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode show notes, wonderful articles, bios from our contributors and so much more if you want to get a hold of us you can fill out the contact form on our website or email us jurassicparkpod at gmail.com we're always looking for new segments contributors mailbag submissions or anybody who just wants to say hello feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message that number is 732-825-7763 thanks for listening and enjoy